Good afternoon. Um, today's reading is from Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, to chapter 2, verse 13. Um, I'd invite you to open your Bibles to follow along with us today. <clears throat> Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Well, a very famous passage, of course, but why don't we pray together, asking God to speak to us. Our Father, thank you for your word. Please speak to us. Uh, please give me the right words. I pray that we would see Jesus and that we would want to be like him, and you would do that work in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Yes, a, a very famous passage, this beautiful hymn about Jesus that we all know. Um, Yet, it's, even though it's a simple passage, it's also a tough passage. Tough to apply, right? to put into practice. Now, I don't know how you found Philippians so far the past few weeks. I think it's a great book, right? It's about gospel partnership. It's about this, uh, this church working together, striving side by side for the gospel to get it out there. And, yeah, that's wonderful. Who wouldn't, be want, who wouldn't want to be part of such a church. But what is standing in the way of that for the Philippians and uh, maybe for us? 
what is the problem? Is it, uh, you know, false teaching, errors there? I mean, there's a bit of that, not, not really. Is it opposition from outside that stops the gospel going out? No, not much. Now, the problem in this passage is me oh, and you, us. Uh, Paul says, okay, guys, you want to be <laughs> work for the gospel, but you guys need to be together. Verse 2, uh, please make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Guys, you need to be united. You need to think the same. You need to have the same love because you're not. That's the problem. Um, if you go over to chapter 4, it's quite a problem. Uh, 4 verse 2. Uh, Paul writes, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Uh, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Now here are two gospel workers, two women who used to work with Paul and they just can't agree. They need to be, you know, think the same, Paul says. That's what Paul wants from us today. And I guess that's difficult because we all think differently, right, here in this church. We are a diverse church. We come here because it's uh, the closest, maybe. Um, but we have different views, different opinions. Uh, what should we focus on in our service? Uh, preaching, music, liturgy, uh, views on music. What song should we sing? How? Um, how much? What does music do? We disagree on that. Maybe how do we reach out? What is the right balance and priorities between proclaiming the gospel and social action? Who should we reach out to? What should we do in our small groups? Um, what gifts should we expect in church? And what do we do about them? All those things we might disagree on. And if we don't agree, that makes it hard to work together. Eh, if we want to go in the same direction, yeah, we can't just go, well, I go this way and I go that way. That was a problem in Philippi, and you can see that might be a problem for us. If I think this is right, and that's wrong. You think, well, no, no, that is right, this is wrong. How can we work together? And yeah, then not much is happening. We've talked about kind of fellowship. We see these movies like The Fellowship of the Ring. Now, what makes it a good movie usually is because some very diverse people need to work together. I don't know if you've seen The, the Last Jedi. Uh, I have. It's a nice movie, but yeah, part of the story. Uh, there's uh, two people who disagree. One thinks we should take risks and be active, and the other is much more cautious. And their disagreement leads to a lot of damage. Now, it's great in a movie, but I don't want that in our church, right? I'd love us to work together. How do we do that? Well, the Bible's answer is not some technique. Yeah, how to make friends and influence people to get your own way. It's not about how to make democratic decisions. The Bible's answer is an attitude. Humility. And that is uh, what we are going to look at. Unity through humility. And we've seen the unity Paul asks for. But he says, well, humility. Let me read verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, 
but each of you to the interest of others. Yeah, it's about other people, putting them first. Consider them better than yourself, above yourself. And yeah, that's not the usual thing we think about with humility. Peter referred to that. Usually when I think of humility, I think of yeah, just a low view of your own importance. Right? Humility towards God. Uh, you, you play down your qualities. Oh, what a great music. Oh, well, it's just you know, God at work. Uh, oh, what a great meal. Oh, that's okay. That's kind of humility, right? I, you don't think much of yourself. Uh, that's true. Right? We're all sinners. If we knew what was going on in all, each of our heads, we would have a very low view of everyone and of ourselves. Um, everything good we do, it's just God's grace at work in us. We should be really humble. I find that easy. I look inside myself and I, I have a very low view of myself in many areas. But Paul wants more than that. Not just a low view of yourself. Yeah, selfish ambition, vain conceit. Yeah, that's what you do if you put yourself first. But he says, value others above yourselves. Consider them better. Go their way, not your way. And, you know, that's a struggle. I don't think others are better than me. If there's two perfectly good options, why should we go with your option instead of mine? Eh? One is not better than the other. Why yours? Eh? Looking out for others' interests. Well, how about my interests? This goes a bit further, right? Rather than, you know, no one's interests, others' interests. I think it's very difficult for us because we live in a culture where well, lots, lots of things are going completely against this, right? Valuing others above yourselves, looking out for others' interests. We live in a culture that has, uh, whoops, you know, this one, L'Oreal, because you're worth it, right? We all know that. That is what the commercials tell us, you're worth it. Burger King, you're the king, have it your way, right? You are great, you deserve a great life. So, you know, let no one stand in your way. It's about you. And, you know, in Hong Kong as well, all these exams, right? And people, they score differently. But if you score high, then, well, you are better, right? You are worth more, you get a better job, get more money. Value is so much tied to, uh, yeah, to yourself. We, every day we see that, yeah, you live in an estate... And yeah, there's the owners and the tenants, but then there's the low-status people, the guards, the cleaners, the helpers. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's a big difference, and one holds the door open for the other, but not the other way around. Right? That's the society we live in. But Paul doesn't want that. He says, value others above yourselves. No matter who they are, value them above you. Look out for their interests, not yours. Again, that's, we don't do that, right? Uh, the lift in Hong Kong. I think that's one of the things that really struck me coming here. This is the only place where people first close the lift and then press the floor thereon, right? Normally, you, just, you first press your floor, you look around. Anyone else? No? Close it. N- not in Hong Kong. Just close that door. You, know, you don't want anyone slowing you down. What a terrible country, right? <laughs> but that is... You know, looking after yourself. That's what you get taught. If you don't look after yourself, no one will. You will lose out. You need to do this. And Paul says, you know, 
look to others' interests. Value them more than yourself. Then you can be like-minded. Then we can work together for the gospel. I don't know, where would you disagree? And we don't have a lift in church, but, you know, the things I talked about. Where do you feel, you know, the church is going this way, but I think it's better to go that way. I disagree with that. Why are we maybe having the wrong priorities, you think? Where don't you like what we're doing? And how do you feel about that? You think, why should we go that way? That is wrong, I think. Or even if there's no preference, why should it be their way and not my way? Be honest, how do you feel? Where do you disagree? I can see it in myself. You know, there are things that are not the way I want them to be. It makes me look down on others, maybe. Makes me cynical. Makes me not want to help out. And then Paul says, no, no, value others above yourselves. Don't look at your own interests, your own preferences. Look out for the interests of others. Not just also, look out for their interests, not yours. I'm not saying there's no room for talking and discussing. I think that's great because we all have wisdom. But ultimately, we're not going to agree on everything. How are we going to work together if we don't agree, even after talking? You can see that that's hard, but also that we need it. Well, what does Paul say we should do? I hope you see it. We need to be reminded of Jesus, right? That's verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Think like him, because he is the perfect example. We need to see Jesus, copy him. Uh, yeah, of course, it's standard all over the New Testament. If it's about serving and loving, it always goes to the cross, just like here. And we get these, yeah, these favorite verses of many about Jesus' humility. I'm sorry if I'm going to ruin them by not preaching well, right? That's, that's why I like unfamiliar passages, because I, I will never ruin it for everyone. <laughs> but what does he say in this beautiful old hymn? Let me read them, verses 6 to 8 again. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's probably some old hymn that Paul quotes, although not that old because the church was only 20, 30 years old. But it's, a, it, it's the creed, isn't it, about how Jesus was true God from true God, but he came down from heaven in the manger and then he went to the cross. And verse 8, how he yeah, was obedient to death. And Jesus truly considered others' interests, didn't he? I mean, why all this? Well, we needed saving. We were condemned to hell. And so Jesus came down, 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 uh, from God down to a servant, and then from a servant well, to death, and even the shame of death on a cross. Why? Just to save us. Uh, the servant from Isaiah who was pierced for our transgressions, who died to uh, take the punishment for everything we've done wrong. 
It's, it's clearly not in his interest, right? Dying on a cross, it's in no one's interest apart from the people he died for. But the key to this hymn is, yeah, in, in who Jesus is. That makes us see the relevance. Because it, this has such a high view of Jesus, right? People always say, well, people didn't think of Jesus as God until the fourth century. That's what the Da Vinci Code says. What is this? Well, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used. You know, Jesus is equal with God. He's got the same rights, same privileges as the Father, as God, right? He is true God from true God. Uh, Equality in the news, it's quite a lot, certainly in the West. I have the same rights as you. Well, Jesus had the same rights as, as God, right? The highest being there is. I mean, Jesus could do anything he wanted. Right? He could, uh, you know, blow up a few planets, change summer and winter around, create unicorns, whatever thing he wanted, if he, if he did. Because it's his world, he can do whatever he wants. He is on top. But the thing is, he didn't take advantage of that. He didn't just do whatever he wanted for his own interests. He didn't stand on his rights. Instead, he made himself nothing. Uh, He took the nature of a servant. Now, we need to understand this, making himself nothing. He didn't... It's not that he stopped being God or something. Uh, If you have a Bible, it has a footnote and it says, the form of God, uh, the form of a servant. It's about his his outward appearance. Uh, Because, yeah, he had the... You know, he had the status and privileges of God. He was up there in heaven, reigning, king of the ages, angels, giving him glory. He had all that. But then he, he laid that aside. He came down to earth. No throne, no angels worshipping, uh, living here in the dirt, doing work, unrecognized, like us, right? A human being, a servant. And yet... He got the status and privileges yeah, of a servant. It, it's John 13, the foot washing, where Jesus took off his garments and just wrapped a towel around his waist. I mean, he didn't stop being Jesus. He didn't stop being God. But, yeah, he, his outward appearance. Of course, it doesn't mean he only appeared human. I mean, if he only seemed human, then he only seemed to die and only seemed to save us. He was a real human, but he just didn't stop being God. But why does that matter? Well, the question is, how can I value others above myself when I don't need to? How can I put others' interests first when I don't want to, I don't have to, I don't need to? Well, that was so much more the case for Jesus, right? Jesus really was better than everyone else. Jesus really was higher than everyone else. More status, more privileges... He didn't have to do anything for us. And yet, he humbled himself. Yet, he came down to die for sinful worms like like us. So, you know, the message, you don't need to insist on your rights, right? You don't have to insist on your own way. Even if you don't have to, you can still do it. Even you, you can value people who are lower than you, above yourself. You can put their interests first, even when you don't have to. It's just your free decision to love others.
just like Jesus, free decision to come down and die for you. In fact, it's the fact that he didn't need to that makes it beautiful. If Jesus was already just a servant and he serves, it's just his job. If he doesn't need to, if he is God Almighty and yet makes himself a servant, washes our feet, dies for us, that is beautiful. Loving those lower than you is is beautiful. And we don't always get that. Not all Christians do, not all cultures do. I remember uh, when I was in college, I was part of a small church, and everyone helped out, and we had some Koreans visiting. Now, Koreans tend to be a very hierarchical church, and the pastor is really king. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you were a pastor in a big church in Korea, you've got a limousine and a driver and the highest salary in church and all those things, you know. And they were really shocked. Because what did they see after the service and after the refreshments? The pastor, he did the dishes. He just did the dishes. And they thought, I mean, he's the pastor. How can he do that? That's, it's below him. Yeah, it is below him. But so what? That's exactly what Paul says. Yes, he's the pastor. But so what? He can choose to do dishes, right? He can choose to serve others. He could have demanded things, insisted on his rights. I need to prepare for the evening service. But no, he just washed the dishes. He took off his tie and jacket, put on an apron, just like Jesus did. He didn't resign. He didn't stop being the pastor. Just he did. Uh, Yeah, he did that out of his own free will. Uh, You can do that. That is the attitude we should all have, right? Value others above yourself, even when you don't need to, even when you don't have to. It so undercuts our culture these days and so everything is always about equality everyone is equal and everyone has rights and you should honor the rights of everyone and that is what the culture says so you have to treat everyone well but it's all based on rights this is based on love so so what if someone doesn't have rights you can still do good to them so what if someone is lower than you you can still serve their interests it's completely different maybe you are better you just don't take advantage of it you just love others now I know why people push equality if you don't have to look after someone's interests no one is going to do it in the world right? if you don't have to care for someone you're not going to do it that's why they force you to it with you know, equality and rights No, a real church of real love, that is is God's work, as verse 13 says, if God is at work in you. I I can see it with my children. We have three children. They argue a lot, but it's always based on kind of fairness and justice. You know, you prayed at breakfast time, so I can pray at lunchtime. That kind of thing. You you had that, so I can have this now. It's all about fairness. I mean, I'm glad they're not fighting. They're trying to sort it out. But it still falls so far short of this, right? Because this passage says, even if it's your turn, you can give it to someone else. You don't? Yeah, just give it away. If someone else has a bigger cookie, that's okay. That's fine. Because you love. Can you see the difference between just fairness and, and love here? Right? Where your, your own free decision... Yeah, it's, uh, after all, that's what Jesus did, right? 
We had no claim on Jesus. We had no rights before him. When we sinned, we lost everything. And yet he still loved us. He valued our lives above his. And then how, how can I hang on to my rights? How can I refuse to do the dishes when Jesus <coughs> didn't refuse going to the cross? How can I even compare doing dishes with the cross, except that Paul does it? All right. I thank Jesus for what he did. How can I not do the same? And that's the challenge. Sorry. <coughs> do we really consider others better than ourselves? Can we do that? Can we value them above ourselves even when we don't have to? Can we forego our rights even when, yeah, we don't want to, when we don't need to, for the sake of the gospel? Now, I don't know. Eh, what if you disagree? What if there's areas of uh, disunity? How, how will you respond? And then do you make a fuss? Do you withdraw? And, and I'm not going to help unless we do my way. Do you undermine what others are doing? Or do you just say, well, it's not what I like, but it's for the gospel. That's fine. Go ahead. Let's do it your way. Because I want us to be together for the gospel. Then we can strive together. It's not easy. Sometimes. Let me give some examples. One uh, interesting one I heard. Sparklers. As you know, we, uh, in the notices, we need more helpers for sparklers. Now, what is this? This is a crash for the babies and toddlers. Uh, so that if you have a child, zero to two, you can leave the child there and go to the service. Uh, I mean, it's really great. Have you ever tried concentrating on a sermon when you're looking after a toddler? Uh, it's not working, right? So this is great for people to grow. It means that parents of young children can still use their gifts to serve others because we free them up. It's a great ministry. It's something that really would attract people. If I'm looking for a church and I've got toddlers, I'll go to the one with a manned crash. But who do you think is helping with this ministry? Who is helping? Well, all the parents of babies and toddlers, they're helping. That's good. They're not taking advantage. But we need a few more people. So within the church, who is helping? It's just a few Filipinas. Just a few ladies from the PF. People who already the whole week do the things that no one else wants to do. But there's no one in the church who, who hears and, and thinks, even though I want to be in the service, even though I don't want to look after babies, I'll do that for the sake of others. And it's hard, it's no fun, it's not glamorous. Yeah? But yeah, even if you don't need to, you can still do it for others. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a, a way to put it into practice. I mean, it doesn't mean all of us have to do this. What are your gifts? But... Even if you don't like something, you can still think this is good for the gospel, for people to come to our church, for people to be able to hear God's word, for people to serve in other ways. I, I want to help with that. Now, a positive example. At my previous church, um, so with drums, we had a guy there who didn't like drumming on, on church on Sunday. And this guy was in his 80s. He had been at the church for, I don't know, 40 years or something. He was a builder. And the whole building, everything was just made by him. He was such a respected senior person in the church. He didn't like drumming. We, we had one guy who was just a very loud drummer, a bit like, uh, like Jeremy. And, uh, 
and he always talks about that demon drummer. <laughs> but, you know, um, he didn't complain. He just, you know, I don't like it, but I think it's great that we have drums for young people. And one time we had a big guest service, and there was no drummer available. Now, what would you do? Uh, my guess is you'd say, great, no drums, finally. Actually, he stepped in. He did the drumming. Because this, this needed to be done. It's good to have a drummer, then you know, young people will like it here more. So he, he played the drums. What a great example, right? Someone, you know, I'm going to do this for the gospel. I don't like it, but I'm going to put others' interests above myself. Yeah? So, yeah, that's, uh, it's for the gospel. And it's not just because we hate, uh, we, we do something to make ourselves miserable. It's for the gospel. Let's do that. Yeah? Because that's the question now. How will you respond? That's what Jesus, uh, what Paul would say. How will you respond? Of course, Jesus' example is great, but you can t- keep it out there, right? Oh, that's interesting to look at. But this is something personal. Jesus is something for us. Because after all, where Paul finishes, you know, Jesus is Lord. Yeah? Because in a way, Paul could have finished at verse 8. He could have said, look at Jesus' example. But he doesn't stop there. As he addresses the Philippians, you know, Jesus didn't stay that. Uh, verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name, uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, etc. You know, Jesus is now the Lord. The Lord from the Old Testament. Everyone can now see that Jesus is, yeah, Yahweh, God himself. But why does Paul include that? I've changed my mind on this. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. But I think it's just very simple. You know, this is your Lord. Because he says, verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Guys, as you have obeyed, now keep obeying. Do this. Uh, With fear and trembling, it's obedience language. Work out your salvation is just kind of puts the gospel into practice. Guys, you've seen Jesus, now go and obey. Go and put this into practice. Because, yeah, Jesus is the Lord, right? If he's the Lord, he's your Lord. You belong to him. Well, let's obey him. Let's follow him. But I hope this is someone you want to obey, right? As we see this beautiful act that Jesus did, that is the Lord you have. That is the one. You serve. And you serve someone who didn't put his own interests first, someone who came and died for you. And surely that's someone who's going to be a good master, someone you can serve. And just think of Jesus and what he did for you. And that's so amazing. It will change you. That's what Paul says. You, you will follow him, but look who you follow. Look who you obey. Especially for the gospel, that more people in Shatin, in Hong Kong, in the world can know this wonderful Amazing Christ Jesus. What a wonderful purpose to to live for. So as we think about this passage, as we talk, as we reflect on how we can serve, how we maybe disagree, but how we can put others first, let's pray we would do this. Why don't we pray together and, and then the music team will come up. Father, thank you again for Jesus. Thank you for him. 
laying down his rights, laying down his status, his privileges uh, for sinners like us. Thank you for that amazing love. Pray we would understand that. Pray we would be changed by it. That the one we belong to, the one we call Lord, is someone who came and, and took our place on the cross. We know our hearts are naturally just about us. and We don't naturally obey this. Please work in us. Please do this work in us by your uh, will, your good pleasure uh, in our hearts. Make us the church you want us to be, a church united, a church that serves together for the gospel, that more people can know our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Great. Let's sing the, uh, the most fitting song there is, The Servant King. Let's follow him. Let's all stand.